Chatterbeaties Esoteric Nerd Podcast, episode 100, in which Robbie Strong, also known as Silence the Aquarian, and I interview Joel Meeks Mattis. Joel is the founder and CEO of TMM. He is the inventor of the nanotube aerogel matrix, which is the cornerstone of all TMM technology and composites. He's also a friend of Robbie's. In this episode, we discuss ancient, modern, and future nanotechnology, climate change, psychedelics, politics, religion, faith and science, Kabbalah with a K and Kabbalah with a Q, and many other things. But first, transformation and For those of you who are new to the Esoteric Nerd Podcast, this is the segment in which I recite portions of my father's book, Transformations, and sometimes I comment on it afterward, which is the footnotes. This is Transformations by John Dan Reeb, chapter 4, verse 9. With so many of us here who journey, and with more of us popping through to now awareness every parsec, it's better to listen to and experience the tape that's playing now. Verse 10. Oh, sure, flesh place fear junkies have mirrors on their ears, and they don't even know it. They live their lives by mirrors. Verse 11. Once I had a crazy uncle who owned a pool hall. It was one of the old kind with an open front. Flies would come in and he would hang flypaper. He'd run out of flypaper, so many flies got stuck. Verse 12. Anyhow, he'd get furious and run outside swatting flies. Apparently, the flies, much like flesh place fear junkies, like to watch their kind being slaughtered. The more that came, the more he swatted. That's the way the new tape is playing, just like the old ones. Verse 13. So it is that the flesh place fear junkies will make right and make wrong, finding conspiracies stuck to the flypaper of their intellect. No footnotes for today on that one. I suppose I owe you a bit of explanation. It's been uh, uh, over two years, um, two and a half years, I think, since the previous episode of the Esoteric Nerd podcast. Um, For those of you who remember, who were following the last few episodes, you might have noted, oh, he's talking about, you know, Uh, going on a long trip and maybe never coming home and uh, then the last episode then there was the episodes in South Africa and the last episode I was in Faridabad uh, which is near New Delhi I was staying with my friend Yash and I was starting to date Priyal or Pew and uh, well a lot has happened since then Uh, long story short we were married in a small Hindu temple uh, in Tamil tradition, Southern Indian traditional wedding uh, at the beginning of 2019, so that's uh, going on two years now, and uh, we're currently living in Goa, 
naturally staying inside most of the time on account of the worldwide pandemic. I hope you all are staying safe and staying sane. So it, our guest today, Joelle, is an old friend of Robbie, and Robbie has been uh, and Robbie has been saying for two years now that we should do this interview and. Uh, Zoom has made it really simple to record interviews. I used to have so much trouble where uh, we'd have an entire conversation on Skype and it wouldn't record because it was some shady software that, yeah, long story short, Zoom is made for recording meetings because it's made for work. So it makes sense to record your meetings because the worst thing <laughs> is when people can't agree what was said at the meeting. So if you have a recording, then that solves that issue. And so, without further ado, let's bring in our co-host, Robbie Strong. Greetings, Fredder. How have you been? <laughs> oh, good, Brother Pipemander. I'm talking to you from a very cold morning in the van cave. Um, it's beautiful. My uh, secretary, Miss Gruffles, is right here with me. What, what time is it right there where you are in India? It is 8.19 p.m. Okay. And uh, there in California? Uh, there here in California, it is 6.49. You might occasionally hear uh, parrots going by. Nice. Um, Early morning. Yes. The workers working on a nearby house. It is amazing. We've, we've left this, this uh, long, beautiful book of uh, messages back and forth since you first moved to India. And it could, it could fill multiple volumes of just extraordinary things, extraordinary experiences and thoughts That's since true. Uh, you left America. Yeah, some of it I think is, you know, sort of just ramblings and other, but sometimes, yeah, there's some, some, some insights. I, I think there's a lot that our children will pick through to write an amazing book someday. That's what I think. Uh-oh. <laughs> Here, why don't I give people a, a little sample of what we're talking about. Here's a couple of uh, audios back and forth uh, between me and Robbie over the past couple of years. Militia members that might uh, be lurking. So the DNA sigils, almost. I think if those elements were reversed, but the colors are correct. Oh. He was the uh, Red String Raider. The use of cannabis and mushrooms, but mainly cannabis. I think this might be the result of a time-traveling troll. I'm, I don't mean like the mythical creature troll, but like someone's trolling us. Okay, I have no idea what just played, but I'll work that out when I, <laughs> during the editing process tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, good grief! The uh, just just the chapters, just your your travels through different parts of India, and my travels through um, through all kinds of strange experiences of issues. desert <laughs> mysticism with performance art groups yeah. and anarchists and activist radicals. And sometimes sleeping in tents in the streets with the same people I've been doing performance art with, uh, occupying government buildings, um, getting shot with rubber bullets, mm. getting thrown in jail for the cause of human rights. With a priest. Yes, with a priest and, and a rabbi, actually, at one particular time. I mean, 
we were we were all sitting in the driveway of the ice building mm. uh surrounded by cops and there was the the anglican priest of um of uh, all saints episcopalian church just down the way and there was a rabbi and and i was like hey guys so a priest and a rabbi and an anarchist walk into an ice building <laughs> <laughs> and uh that that was that was the joke and then the cops drug us away <laughs> i uh i think i i mentioned to you but definitely i didn't mention on the podcast um there was a point when i was in Kathmandu. And I was in a, a, a restaurant, OR2K, for my uh, fellow Nepal travelers uh, in the Kathmandu one. And, uh, and I saw someone I recognized from when I was in Pokhara. So I went over and sat at that big group table. They had just finished a Vipassana. There was like maybe 15 people. And, uh, and wow. so... What year roughly was that? When did I start traveling? I think it was 2017. I was talking to the, to to my friend from Sweden, I think, and I was talking about you, and I mentioned that you had sent a box of horse poo. Oh, this isn't PG horse shit to uh, to Steve Mnuchin, you know, as uh, returning your gift of the you know the tax bill that he had just uh, approved. Right? Yeah, completely scam giveaway to his his rich oligarch friends right. on the backs of the working class. I was yeah. talking about that, and there was a guy there from Tehran, and he he leaned over and he, he overheard the conversation. He's like, "Wait a minute, you know the guy that did that?" And I was like, "Wait, what?" And he was like, "I read about that. We we read about that in the in the newspaper in Tehran." <laughs> a random guy from Tehran. Yeah, knew who yeah, that I, I was. Met random oh. guy. <laughs> random guy that I, I met in Kathmandu. And he was like, wow. That he makes was me so happy. He was impressed that I knew the guy that did that. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that you sent me a Hebrew newspaper yeah. and the story of me in Hebrew with my, my picture and a, and a giant pile of horse poop behind me. For those <laughs> yeah. who don't know the story, uh, after this Christmas tax bill was passed, I had a box horse manure wrapped in Christmas paper and I hand delivered it to the secretary of treasury of the United States, the very Lord of Mammon in the heart of Babylon, because he has a house bomb. high up in Bel Air. <laughs> they and, thought it was uh, a bomb and the secret service came and shut down the street. Yes, it was it, bomb squad. It was all in the spirit of Abby Hoffman. Uh, I, uh, I knew that technically I had not broken any laws and the, uh, the police officers they interviewed the next day said, yeah, technically no laws were broken, but I still had Secret Service showing up at my yard uh, two days after and also in my place of employment, which was uh, very entertaining for my coworkers to behold. Plus the death threats online. Yeah, multiple death threats. I, I still get those occasionally mm. from uh, the various fascists that I've been known to occasionally uh, get into brawls, street brawls with. And there was something recent um, that happened, right? Oh, the re most recent incident. Yeah, I'm uh, still pending trial. I'm a little nervous uh, because the the way things go on the national levels could dictate dictate what happens. Mm. Uh, two weeks ago, I went out to my place of refuge. Um, uh, this this very sacred spot out in Joshua Tree. I call it Yeshua Tree since I'm kind of a Christian Gnostic, mm -hmm. and. Um, it's where I go to get completely away from civilization. Um, there's no electrical poles or cars or houses for miles. You can literally look 
into infinity. And it's really rare that you can get that on land. And um, there's caves I like to go to and I like to strip down and be completely bare without anything but water. And, and of course, mushrooms. And, uh, and, and that's where I get in touch with God. And I was, I was out there purging my mind and, and getting ready to come back to the city renewed and ready for action. When I was driving through the village of Joshua Tree, um, and I had just purchased my coffee. Oh, yes, first coffee in days. This is going to be so good. And I look over, and uh, there's a, a really interesting-looking character, a young black hippie boy with a nice afro and kind of a long, flowing robe. And he was reading something triumphantly with a book. And he also had a little drum. And I was driving past, and I was still kind of waking up and thinking to myself, oh, what a neat character. Maybe I should go back and see what he's up to. That's, but he's got a fascinating thing that he's saying. And, and no sooner I had that thought, that two cop cars just come zipping past me like they were pulling up on John Dillinger. And they pulled up on both sides of the corner where this guy was. And this is cornered to an open lot. So there's not anybody being at all put out by this young man on a corner and open lot. Miss Gruffles. I know Miss Gruffles is really, gets really fired up about this story. And, um, and so when I saw them right up on that young man, um, the first thing I thought of was, the news story that we see at least once a week here in America of, of racist police officers pulling up on unarmed black men and firing without even asking questions. Right. And so um, because I'm an activist for this cause and just because I myself have legitimate PTSD from seeing this over and over, yeah. I flipped the car around, drove through the opposite lane of traffic just so I could create a big enough distraction so they wouldn't shoot. And right as the four were pulling up around him with looks on their face that said, we're going to fuck you up, boy. I rolled down my window and yelled, this is one black man that is not going to die today. I am filming this. Do not hurt this boy. Mm. And uh, what'd you say to me, boy? And uh, pretty soon uh, they had pulled my wrist almost double behind my, my, uh, my arm and yanked me out of the vehicle and threw me in the back of the squad car where I spent the rest of the day. Mm. Um, they let me out uh, after dark and mind you, the San Bernardino police station is a good, like two miles from the village of Joshua tree where there's nothing but desert and highway. Um, and I didn't have socks on when, when I was doing this, I was still waking up. And so when the, when the officer comes running over the car, I quickly just stick my feet in my hiking boots. So there I am with, with, with boots that aren't late with no laces. They give my shoelaces back to me. And, um, and I'm walking through the dark, through the desert, beside the highway, just wondering if the racist cops that, uh, that got off on roughing me up are just waiting for me and just knowing that any moment could be my last. Mm. Um, I finally make it, and I have a dead phone, so I finally make it back into town. There's still a Dollar General store open where I, I'll go buy a battery charger, and I limp over somewhere where I can go over to a 7-Eleven and get some water and charge my phone, call my next of kin, uh, how to retrieve my car uh, out of impound the next day, and judging by all the uh, giant white pickup trucks with Trump uh, flags uh, in the parking lot of that particular impound lot, 
they were more than glad to inconvenience me along with the uh, Teutonic uh, San, Bern- San Bernardino sheriff that threw me in the holding cell. Oh, man. They got a lot of singing, though, for me. I, uh, in the sense <laughs> that I, I, I pulled out every old gospel bluegrass tune I could think of, every uh, marching song I could think of, and I sang at the top of my lungs like Paul and Silas for a good nine hours while I was in there. Nice. So, uh, yeah, just uh, really quickly, can you uh, give us the rundown on Joel? Joel Meeks is a nanotechnologist. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of a savant, kind of like Jack Parsons. You know how Jack Parsons just started showing up at Caltech and saying, I've got some good ideas. And he was laughed out, out of town until he started making sense. Yeah. He kind, of, he kind of did this, oddly enough, at Caltech. Mm. Um, and, and now, this is a man that did have prior uh, experience and ex- expertise. He got uh, major science awards in, in high school and college for, uh, he actually got a patent for his, his high school science project. Um, nice. And, um, and it was that very patent that opened up these doors for him so that now he is running uh, his own nanotechnology labs out of university. Uh, one, of the, one of the interesting things about Joel too is that the week before I did my Steven Mnuchin stunt, I was doing um, a Golden Dawn uh, winter solstice ritual with Joel and with a whole group of people at an unnamed temple uh, in the hills above Los Angeles County. Saturnalia, right? Yes, Saturnalia. And I had made Soma. Um, out of uh, mushrooms and cannabis oil and, and uh, some lovely autumnal spices. And it was one of the most glorious, beautiful rituals I've ever performed. And Joel has this deep bass voice that you'll soon hear. And this voice is so resonant that every time he walks in my yard and starts talking, uh, my dog, Miss Gruffles, immediately starts humping his leg. I'm not kidding. <laughs> She never humps anyone's legs but Joel, and I think it's because of the deep bass resonances. <laughs> um, but, but he uh, performed uh, in his beautiful voice the Orphic Hymn to the Sun in that mm. particular Saturnalian ritual that was very highly visionary for some of us. Uh, there was a popular uh, psych pop band's uh, bass player that was there also. I won't say who that is because... He's kind of paranoid about these things, mm-hmm. um, but it was in conversation. Com- it was in conversations with him and, and Joel after this ritual that the ideal to deliver uh, the horse manure to Stephen Mnuchin came up, and it was a very um, alchemical act. And since I'm a Capricorn, and it was the time of Saturn, um, it just made sense that I would deliver sulfur as almost a prophetic message. Mm. to uh, the Secretary of Treasury of Mammon. Um, that's right, Miss Gruffles. I hope you can hear her cute little voice. She looks now, so adorable right now in her green little Christmas sweater, Edward. You should see it. Was that sulfur in an alchemical sense or in the sense of like fire and brimstone? Both. And, <laughs> and, and manure is often equated with sulfur, you know, alchemically. So. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, his mother She's, she's a, a black woman from the American South who does a type of ritual magic 
that's very African and very Kabbalah at the same time. Miss Gruffles, you're about to hear the voice. <laughs> the voice of the Orphic hymn of the sun. Oh, he's here. Yes. Greeting, greetings, Strutter. <clears throat> Welcome to the Esoteric Nerd Podcast. Wow. Um, <laughs> oh. How are you? I am very much alive. I'm very much aware. I'm more blessed than I deserve, and I'm honored to be with you all today. Thank you, and likewise. How are you, Edward? I've heard a lot of wonderful things about you, and you're someone who, uh, let me just clarify who you are to me. Mm. So Vitruvian Man is something that I had written a series of short stories about as, um, you know, a template, uh, and... You know, there's very few people who I see attempt to model the third form of that. And when I saw that as a profile photo, I think that was one of the things, you most unique things that stood out about you. And I'm going to tell you that I am no respecter of persons. I'm no spiritual guru. I'm just a guy. And I know some things about some things. But mm-hmm. I've been blessed to meet billionaires, uh, senators, Nobel laureates, um, actors, musicians um and you i would like to put you in the category of influential people um the ancillary to that is that you come with high you know regard and you know robbie holds you in high esteem and um you know that's why i say i'm really honored to be here because i know i can learn from you i don't know (laughs) yeah i don't know how to get um to asia right now but it's on my it's on the list. Yeah. Um, Joel, I want someday, Joel, yeah. someday I would like us to take our sons together and, and go hiking uh, in the Himalayas and do a, a sacred uh, trek uh, with uh, very honored Edward here. <laughs> only, only, only if we get to spend a week in Bataan. Oh, All definitely. Right. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Then oh, you man. got it. <laughs> Easy. Bhutan is so Easy. beautiful. It's like how I would Tibet. imagine it's how I would imagine Tibet would be if the Chinese mm. hadn't occupied it and if it was inside of like a Ghibli movie. Oh god. Wow. <laughs> the happiest place on earth and a good buddy of mine went who actually trained in kung fu at Wudan. So mm. I'm the black do at tour teen camp when we're 15 and he's the chinese jew and yes. we're the <laughs> orthodox for a teen camp and that's how we became friends and so he was in the military worked for mastercard all this stuff and he's got a tai chi app now but anyways wow. he said bhutan one of his most favorite places in the world and when he said it's the most happiest place on earth he said disneyland can't hold a candle to it so he said you will feel it you'll feel yeah. the electron and that's what <laughs> That's what brings us together is, you know, the law of magnetism and attraction. You know, it's like you, you said, we've got to go on a week long hike. You know, Robbie and I have visualized things and they've happened, hmm. you know, when living together where two or more are gathered. That's why the triangle is so important. The power of three. Hmm. When we come together and we visualize and we speak it, it's, it's uh, the resonance. We just need to catch up to it. Right. Hmm. Cause only the mind, exceeds space and time so 
this is the way that we're able to 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 do uh there's people who talk about quantum jumping and trekking on the continuum and uh regression and things like that and th those are all amazing techniques but for me it's it's really speaking doing and reversing engineering your way back um and then incremental steps uh now, speaking of reverse engineering joel um, no. i i've likened you into jack parsons in that you kind of cold walked in the caltech when you began your uh career in nanotechnology and and you said that it started one night when we were walking around the neighborhood uh, i would like you to kind of take it from there and tell us how in the world you ended up cold walking into caltech and starting a nanotechnology company wow um yeah man i uh you know i was a i was i was a kid that loved to tinker because i am a worrisome and open-minded troubleshooter uh i think at the at the at my core uh, i've always been a worried child um i've always been um a very open-minded child and i've always been a tinker and so um fast forward to when we met i hadn't touched a carbon nanotube um since probably 2003 uh when i was at florida state and the year after harold croto went who was part of the research team that got the nobel peace prize or nobel um prize in chemistry sorry in 96 uh -huh. for the same nanotechnology they got a nobel prize for buckyballs nanotubes are elongated versions of the buckyball and so um, I Buckminster Fuller's uh, geo, geodome. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, the yeah, exactly. Buckyball. I hadn't heard that um, expression before. <laughs> yeah. 60 carbon atoms arranged like a soccer ball. You can also refer to them as fullerenes. Um, okay. Buckyballs were Buckminster Fuller moniker. But then when you take, <laughs> um, when you take the tessellated pattern of carbon atoms, <clears throat> and make a sheet it's graphene when you roll that sheet up into a tube it's a nanotube mm. and it carries with it uh a lossless transmission of uh particles and waves so this is electricity this is thermal this is sound so the things that you're able to do with carbon nanotubes um and any of the carbon structures it's very interesting because we're talking about six. So, you know, Tesla said if, if, if man only understood the power of three, six, and nine, we would, we would, we would incrementally, you know, probably an order of magnitude, uh, you know, leap in technology and, and nascent and novel uh, products. And, and, you know, so, so just, just trekking back <clears throat> carbon six, uh, six, electrons um and then you have your neutrons and your protons but the thing about it is the valence the tessellated structure of the hexagon with the carbon um you get these bonds you know there's sp2 bonds that make diamonds so strong they're four carbon nanotubes have those four then because they're hexagons they have two double sp bonds and we don't see those anywhere else really in nature so um okay so that's, that's like a carbon a carbon with two extra electrons in the valence so no what you're looking at is the so think about diamond is a parallelogram 
uh, tessellation. So imagine parallelograms stacked on each other and at oh. the four corners of SB2 bonds. SB2 bonds being covalent bonds, uh, some of the most strongest uh, of the of the forces, right, at the economic yeah. level. Because your weak forces are, you know, van der Waals and, and static and your strong forces are ionic covalent bonds. Um, so SP2 is what makes diamonds so strong, double covalent bonds. What the nanotubes have are those four, but you're dealing with a hexagon. So you've got two additional points. Those additional points carry double SP2 bonds. We do not, we rarely ever see those. Uh, and that's what got me fascinated. So hmm. bring it full bring it to, to 2013, 2012. <clears throat> Robbie and I were walking through the neighborhood. Hey, Joel, can I get you, um, can I get you to get a little more in the microphone? Um, I'm having a little trouble hearing you, bud. No, I apologize. I'm, uh, I miss, I miss your resonant, beautiful bass voice. <laughs> I was telling him about when you, uh, performed the Orphic Hymn of the Sun. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh my gosh. Dude. Pr proceed. Oh. Go ahead though. <laughs> no, I, um, no, I say is, uh, um, I wanted to see if I could run you through the car because I'm just sitting in the car. At the there oh, yeah, that go. sounds great. I hear you much better now. Ha, hallelujah. Yeah. Oh, you can hear me better? Okay. I guess much this is better. fine. But what I, what I wanted to say is, um, yeah, in 2012, Robbie and I, uh, I think that was really our best year. Uh, and it was one of the, 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 the better years of my life, uh, only in terms of where my focus started to go. Um. <clears throat> You know, the thing about Robbie's relationship and my relationship is that I always wanted a brother and I, I really, I'm a Southerner with no accent and I, you know, I have a lot of that uh, good Samaritan, that story vibed with me. And I don't really know anyone who epitomizes that more than, than Robbie. Mm. He, he, he's taken up arms with, you know, burdens he doesn't carry and he's put uh, his money where his mouth is and he's put skin in the game and fights where I didn't have the brass and the balls. I didn't, I didn't. And I, I would be afraid. And I've seen Robbie do things without fear that I think are incredible and um, they're meaningful. And uh, I've seen him be a part of, amazing uh, music, music groups. Um, I've seen him create music on the fly. I've seen I him- I wanna hear about you. I wanna hear about you though, Joel. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to me, we'll get to me. But I just, um, you know, you know, I- uh, it's It was only so fun living with you. I mean, that house it's was like this vibrant community house right in the middle of Los yeah. Feliz, this yeah. hip little neighborhood. Uh, when it was still it was, like funky and affordable, sort of. It was. It was everything I'd come to LA for. I yes. started it in that house. Everything I'd really come there for, in terms of work, in terms of career, uh, getting back to nanotech, it all came back. And I don't think it. I. I can't say that uh, something started there. Brotherhood. And he, Robbie's the only person that I've done. Uh, invocation of Nakiel with and uh, I'm going to tell you something if that didn't pop financially uh, and manifest exactly two weeks to the day um, that was one of the most powerful rituals I've ever done 
and I get and I've wow. never I've only done mushrooms, but I get visuals when I go in really deep. And Robbie will tell you there's degrees at which I I I uh, I will um I'll have my system. Usually I go full zen uh, when I do a lot of ritual work, tarot, divination, runes, all that. Um, I will imbibe in cannabis, and I will imbibe in <clears throat> certain you know other psilocybin and things like that. But um, liturgical plants. Right for me. No, here, here's one of the interesting things. Like Joel and I both both <laughs> yeah. use use these rituals. I use them to jumpstart my activism, and he uses them to jumpstart his nanotechnology, which is basically like well creation I'll, from the at- atomic level on up. It, it starts um, what what it does is what in my experience, and every everyone's different, right? Everyone's different. This is a plant, and you know when we take in. Uh, scent. scent is another dimension. So, you know, make sure that when we're speaking, we're at least a dimension six or seven, depending on where you want to do the numbers, right? Because space and time is four and five, um, you know, congruently, and, and they're not mutually exclusive, um, much like electromagnetism. They are not the same, but they're not mutually exclusive. Mm, um, non-dual. So when we're, huh. dealing with scents, when we're dealing with scents, we're dealing with odor, it's another dimension. It is. And so, you know, you deal with a plant or you deal with a, a mushroom or Directly. you deal with a, mm. yeah, you, you, you are, you are always invoking something with sound and with scent. Mm. So that is, that has been my experience. So whereas I will gain, um, you know, an increase in data, uh, wave um, production, which is great for the initial genesis uh, of creativity. Um, when it comes to the alpha waves, which I naturally have because I'm type A, um, I will find some of the analytical uh, gears that don't tend to be oiled and greased as well. Um, and this is this is with habitual use. This is not the way Joe Rogan says to smoke. This is. I'm an all or nothing guy with marijuana, Either it's my coffee or it offends me. It's completely black and white. It's well, very what I want to know, what I want to know, Joel, is, yeah. is how, how you've used like the anthogenic plants uh, combined with, with ritual work that I know your mom, she's, she's an adept in, uh, in ritual magic. Yeah, I, I want to know how mom, you use these things combined to come up with uh, scientific, yeah. um, discoveries like like you've literally yeah. done this yeah no i mean there's there's things that that well first off my mom is is a powerful uh woman and she is a sacred woman um and she uh she, she is worked with you know through her i met marianne starn gavin and yvonne frost um Orion Foxwood, uh, Benny Hinn, Bishop Jordan, uh, like uh, there, there's one more person who's really. So how how, how does she know yeah. all these people, and and what kind of magic well, would you say she practices? I mean, my mom knows these people because she attracts these people. So you you wanna you know it, it, you wanna you wanna realize that you're the 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 you know the average the five people that you hang out with purposefully. Um, but then you always keep that changing, right? Because you want to become 
right? If my perspective is four drones that look in opposite direction and God, God is, you know, the infinite set of drones, right? I'm always trying to get there. So always more people, always more reflection, right? Mm -hmm. of, of the universe expressing itself through humans, right? Yeah. And so my mom is me on, on really just her, her, her magnetism's turned up. Um, I think that that's, that has a lot to do with our voice. You don't really forget our voices. They command your attention, but we also have to modulate that. And that's something so, that over years. So just to kind of yeah. familiarize people with the narrative of, 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 of kind of why um, you kind of landed on the map as a scientist. Yeah. Start, start where we were in the village uh, back that year when yeah. uh, you decided to go ahead and walk your, your uh, research into Caltech. And how yeah. it went from there till you actually had your own laboratory. Okay, I will try to give you the ninety-second version. Brevity's not much strong. <laughs> I like to well, give not, well, not ninety-second like as as long as it takes. I just love the story. I like to give background. <laughs> so, so now you know who some of the key players are. So, um, it's twenty twelve, and um, for some reason, I had been looking at black holes and time warps again it was a book written by kip thorne uh who went on to win the nobel prize in 2018 in physics for the discovery of gravitational waves mm. and the proof of that through ligo with um rainier weiss who i also met in 2015 um in new york so uh the way this happened was i had a dream actually uh when i was awake so i um I had a vision uh, and there's different ways people interpret how to quantify a vision, but I received imagery that I was able to draw on two different pieces of paper. Wow. And um, I was told at that point, uh, you're going to go to Caltech and talk to the two people that you've always wanted to talk to. And you um, had a dream when you were living when we were living together in the village? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote it down on two uh, yellow pieces of paper. I don't remember if I showed you or Anna, but I showed my mom and I told my mom, uh, on this piece of paper, there's um, AG. And on this piece of paper, there's three circles. <clears throat> I have to give this one to um, one Nobel Prize winner. And then I have to give this one to a guy whose book I read at 15, Black Holes and Time Warps. And um, I don't know why but one of them's going to call me back and one isn't and we're going to go from there. And my mom was like, all right, if you're feeling it, do it. I did it. And about a week later, I get a call from Kip Thorne's assistant. And she says, uh, am I speaking with Joelle Meeks Matus? And I said, yeah. And she said, um, for some reason, Kip Thorne wants to let you know that he'll be free for a meeting uh anytime this next week from this time to this time and i was like okay i appreciate that and she's like what did you tell him and i said i didn't tell him anything i left him a note she goes okay yeah he's got about a six month wait time because he's filming a movie and he's not meeting with anyone right now in fact he doesn't even have office hours a semester and he's got grad students trying to meet with him i have about a waiting list of 40 people so i'm not really quite sure how you got him to leave the set of interstellar which i came out to find out later it was interstellar mm. no um, way <laughs> yeah, he was, he was advising and, yes 
How did you land on his radar in the first place? Was it the uh, was it the uh, patent the you got at the high school science no, project? No, the note, the note. He never. Okay. He, the way the way he first met me virtually was I emailed him at fifteen and I said I read your book. I want to come to Caltech one day. He said, "Find me when you get to college." Beautiful. And uh, I never emailed him back. And um, he said he didn't recall that email, but he said, "You know, not to sound." The brag, you know, grandiose, but it happens a lot. I get a lot of those emails. And he's like, maybe I do kind of remember it. But the thing that stuck out to me was this. Um, I didn't know what I was drawing, and it meant something to him. And just following this vision of these three circles, I came up with my own, uh, my own avenue of conversation because I wasn't able to, to talk about uh, the universe interacting on itself in terms of stat time, right? So after I drew this, it's like, oh, conceptually, we can look at this as a model. Now you can talk to Kip Thorne as a, almost a peer because now you can come with three circles and talk about contra contracted time, actualized time, and expanded time, right? On well, that you had a, you had a patent in nanotechnology prior to this, right, from... Well, well, this is this is this is theoretical physics. This is this okay. is all stuff at the fundamental Higgs boson. This is all that type of stuff. The okay. nanotech stuff again that happened at fifteen, um, you know, sixteen maybe um, at governor school. I needed a science fair project, and I wanted to make the lightest, strongest thing. Enter aerogels, the lightest thing man's ever made with nanotubes, the strongest thing man's ever discovered. So I put those together. And what it made was um, a tunable product that tunable? could store energy uh, and transmit energy, and it could also do this with waves. And so nothing major, just the average high school uh, science project. I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was. I, I talked about a lot of things with that. I said, you know, nanotubes will deliver drugs and. That was in 99, and I'm working with a guy doing it now. He's got it 850 nanometer, uh, you know, sort of carbon nanotube missile or plane, and it's got a payload of drug molecules, but at, the, at a, nano, uh, a nanoscopic amount, so they're not toxic, and it doesn't cause the collateral damage. And the only other closest technology to this was um, – quantum dot technology where it created magnetized drug compounds for better contrasting and you could use the mri to move the drug because it was magnetized to one so give, it, give us some historical so context for how how you um, got there so like he he got your I, note and and then what happened got my note. he got my note we were all baffled he met up with me in a week we talked for an hour and at the end of it he said two things to me he said you should go back to school and prove this because it's very interesting. My son went back at 30. He's one of the best architects where he lives. And then he also said, uh, I can't be on your advisory board because I don't understand nanotechnology. And he said, maybe we can meet again. So three things. And that was it. And he said, I'm working huh. on a film and uh, I can't tell you who's directing or what it's about. And that's it. So how did that lead to you uh, running a project in the laboratory? So a lot of things happened between Kip Thorne at Caltech 
And because uh, I went back to Caltech, I talked to some people, didn't go to Caltech, um, took some business classes at Pasadena City College. And then I went to New York to work with the guy. Remember when I mentioned the guy with the cancer drug that's magnetized? I went to New York in 2015 when I moved to New York to try uh -huh. to work for that guy. I wanted to join his startup. He wow, was, okay. He had great technology. <clears throat> I tried to sell it. And his COO said, we don't need him. We, we, we've got people on our own. I don't see why he should come on board. And he looks like he's an actor. Like he's dressed not in a suit. Um, he doesn't have a PhD. And uh, about a month later, my mom said, you should go to this tech crunch event at a bar and i was tired and i went and i talked to john biggs and Wait, what this happened, is in new york yeah this was in okay. new york and what happened in the next 60 days was john biggs joined my advisory board he invited me to tech crunch disrupt three tickets three grand a piece i presented at tech crunch disrupt my first pitch was peter teal who wow was investor in facebook airbnb and lyft I also, Your first pitch was with Peter Thiel? Yeah, he walked up to me at TechCrunch Disrupt. Um, well, a guy named Matt Grimm, who was one of the founding members of Palantir, um, which is a $40 billion, $20 billion company that does deep data dives for the government and tracks terrorists and uh, sex traffickers down and all types of crazy stuff with big data. But anyways, yeah, Matt Grimm um, came to me at TechCrunch Disrupt and he said, you've got something with nanotubes and I talked to him about it. And, um, I was in his office 72 hours later and, um, that, that, that's really when the nanotech came back to the forefront. And for the last, you know, we incorporated in 2016 for the last four years, it's been a journey. It's been things that I had been exposed to my whole life, uh, metaphysics converging, uh, and, 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 and it, it's not time to, uh, how can I, how can I say this properly? Put up or show up, you know? Um, yeah. and what so, I mean by that is that, you know, Tesla only created magic cause he showed it to people. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't make anything that's not there. You know, we, Wi-Fi has been around since I think 1832 something like that 1840 um fiber optics 100 years before we got google fiber almost so um all these things that move in the air around us uh particles there's a way to harness them that's sustainable there's a way to harness them like the egyptians and wear it there's a way to use it to move objects that man can't move with modern day equipment and cut objects man can't cut with a diamond saw or a laser today. There's a way to harness all this technology. The Dogon say that we have about 200, no, sorry. We have exactly 266 elements. Our periodic table doesn't even hit 180 yet. So um, there is there is a, another layer to, to, to the next generation no, of- the, the Dogons, uh, that's, that's uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, one of the, uh, earliest tribal narratives on record right and they have some of the the earliest pyramids in africa and they're into the dark that's star serious that's correct that's correct um so my, now, now, my connect that my to my what you do specifically in the laboratory 
Yeah, my genealogy, just FYI, my mom's 19% uh, Menorcan, so she's traced her genealogy to 1450 Spain since we've been friends. And so the island of Menorca has weird pyramids that aren't anywhere else. Look that up. That's my mom. Hmm. I don't know. Might have hmm. Anyways, um, just why she's so, you know, on another level. Um, I didn't get as much. But what I wanted to say was um, um, the Dogon, yeah, the Dogon had all the elements. Uh, they don't share them. We can't speak the language anyway. So it's truly a, a part of the Egyptian mystery school. But we're, we're at a time where all this is going to come back now. Um, and that, this is my prediction. This is where I go from sort of scientist to futurist. And there's a, there's a dance because I'm not an engineer. And that's where, why I sort of flunked out of engineering. Um, I, I'm not an engineer because I don't, I don't care so much like how. It's, it's always been why. And it's always been kind of how long. So, uh, but you have engineers working for you though, right? If I'm not mistaken. I do. I got engineers because you can't build without them. Um, <laughs> and, and how, how, did you, how did you get engineers? Like that is so cool. I mean, I was leaving an airplane. I want engineers. I was leaving an airplane <laughs> a trip from New York um, in 2016, and a guy named Jeremy, who looked like Jerry Garcia, who I have the same birthday as, Omen. Um, it's behind me and he's mentioning, he heard me say graphene and that sparked a four hour conversation. And he's been my lead fabricator ever since. Huh. Universe will bring you who you need. Always, always, always. So graphene is, is a interesting material. I don't like it because I don't work in one dimension and I don't know anything that, uh, should work in one dimension um and i mean that in every way it's intended to sound um graphene is very difficult to produce the real mccoy uh i've called people out i've written articles on quora about it um i don't work with it and the reason why i don't work with it is because uh i think that a lot of the graphene um hype uh came after the promise of buckyballs and nanotubes and the work was too hard uh much like what's the difference between graphene like, and nanotubes for those of us who are uh, scientifically not so literate right so if you take six dots on a piece of paper and connect the lines so it makes a hexagon create a tessellated pattern on the whole paper of hexagons touching each other like flower that life. Whole, yeah, that whole sheet is uh, what graphene looks like. So chicken wow. wire. Before it's flames the pentagram and behind us the six rayed graphene. Not graphene yeah, because nothing moves in one dimension. We we don't uh, we are not one dimensional and I can't think of much that is. I know that when you roll up that sheet of paper, you make it three D. And I also know that when you have concentric tubes within it, you get something very similar to a tesseract, which is a four-dimensional representation in 3D space. And you, um, you manipulate these things in a laboratory? We grow them. Grow uh, them? And we... Wait, I don't wait, wait, wait. What does that mean, grow them? 
Well, I mean, I have a theory about carbon nanotubes, and my theory hasn't been proven yet. Uh, but my theory is that anytime carbon changes forms, nanotubes are being produced because you are looking at the most, uh, you know, anytime we look at metal as an element, we're looking at the, 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 the most uh, potent and the, the most resolute form uh, with the highest structural integrity. So these show up in nature for carbon as nanotubes. We don't have all forms of uh, all elements. We can't hit the triple point of all elements um, mm. on the planet. We can with CO2. CO2 can be a solid and it can flow like a gas and it can still be liquid all at the same time. We can do that with very little pressure, and that's how we make aerogels. Uh, the carbon nanotubes are grown by either uh, breaking down um, larger carbon structures into smaller ones uh, or breaking building smaller uh, uh, particles into, into, into uh, pre precipitates, and then uh, they're found in the soot. So... If you have a carbon-carrying gas, methane makes good nanotubes. Um, that's CH3. Uh, or you have acetylene, uh, C2H2. Um, anything that's carrying carbon in a gas, we can break it down with a catalyst, grow it on a substrate, and uh, you'll get nanotubes. And then there's inert gases you can feed to get different properties where they function like a semiconducting material like silicon or they function wow. like conducting material like copper only 800 times better so this is this is what you get from these carbon nanotubes they and what, what do you use them for well you can use them for a variety of things they're the strongest fibers we've got so you've got tennis rackets you've got hockey sticks baseball bats reinforced with carbon nanotubes, um, you can utilize carbon nanotubes uh, light absorption to create Vanta black, the blackest black material uh, on Earth absorbs ninety nine. That to me sounds sounds deeply alchemical. Like it is blacker than black. I mean, bringing, that's like I'm more sulfur than sulfur. Egyptian mystery school blackest black Negredo. Wow. Right, for, a philosopher's stone, right? I'm bringing it to you. Yeah. Uh, actually, that's getting too much in our work. I already said too much, man. See, I told you not to go too deep. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard people talk about that's, like, that's for the book. We are like space the book elevators. We want to or not. We're writing the book. <laughs> All right, I, I'm I'm down. I am totally I'm totally in the book. You know, I'm totally down. My mom made a movie about Negredo nanotubes are in it. I'm in it too. She's cutting it. There, there Your you mom go. made a movie. What's it called? It's called Negredo. It's oh, on it's IMDb. called Negredo. Yeah, look on IMDb, Jet Matus. You'll see it. It's I can't wait post. to see this. Nice. Yeah, it, post is expensive, man, and it takes time, and we weren't rushing, you know, and it comes when it comes, and that's that, you know. So you guys um, make movies in addition to technology? I mean, wow. she does. I only distribute films. I haven't done any this year because of COVID. I did three last year indie stuff. But yeah, Netflix, Hulu, PlayStation. Um, so you you never get bored. You like work forty eight hours a day. That's that's incredible. Edward had a question about 
an application of nanotechnology in oh. regards to space diving. Yeah, space elevators. Yeah. Those uh, where they, you have a stationary orbit and you can build an elevator yeah. up to it. Did you read my pitch deck? Uh, no, Anyways, I haven't. Um, no, I'm just I'm I'm being facetious, but oh. I'm also <laughs> a little miffed because it doesn't sound as original when you guys bring it up. But oh. it's okay. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people played Halo. Anyways, the point is is that uh, you know orbital tethering systems is on our radar. Uh, we want to try to line up for that around 2024, uh, 2025. Um, and you say we, who, who's we? Can't get into that right now. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's nice. under NDA. Secret stuff. But I, but I, <laughs> hey, I've written about it on Quora, and I'll tell you, they make more nanotubes than anybody. And oh, wow. If you look on Facebook and you scroll back not that far, you'll see me in France signing a, a partnership with them in 2018 so it's not hard to find um i let Ooh. people do their due diligence but i will not this is, sounds exciting legally you know legally bound but um you know so I, really I cool say, space shit's gonna happen in a couple of years and you're gonna be a part of it that's what you're saying i will say this i know the guys in aerospace i'm not super focused on aerospace right now i am focused on uh, minimum viable products in coatings and uh, the drug delivery, also uh, high performance materials, so strengthening materials, um, batteries, capacitors, and then we will get to the elevator. The elevator requires um, a lot of material, uh, a lot, a yeah, lot, too of much, material, a lot of it. maybe an asteroid worth. I mean, I got a great way to make it. Uh, I'm working with the best guys in the world. Um, and it's a, it's a slow burn. But I really think that we can get there. And uh, I, think this, I think what the space elevator will do is <clears throat> I think that that technology will be um, something that everyone can uh, utilize in a uh, in a real Egyptian kind of way, what Akhenaten. Do you mean? Akhenaten only. I only mean Akhenaten. I only mean the only monotheistic pharaoh whose name they scratched off everything and buried mm. somewhere else. I only mean that one. Akhenaten, right, it, the one pharaoh. Can you that for me there? Gonna, I'm gonna tell you. There's a movie called Akhenaten. The Egyptian. He's uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Akhenaten understood what I believe to be the plasma. The plasma, the energy in the air that flows like a liquid, but it's a gas, right? The plasma, um, the pure energy. Akhenaten was the one that took the eye of Ra and changed it to the sun disk with rays coming out. And he said these rays were uh -huh. God, the God. The tomb ray? God you cannot see. The, the God, right? Yeah. The, one above all um and i i believe there is a a master creator so do my hindu friends they just understand that well you wear a lot of hats when you're god and the best way to wear <laughs> a like different it. hat is to wear a whole different body keeps right. people organized you got to compartmentalize for humans 
then so connect Akhenaten to uh, <laughs> well, I just to carbon for Catholicism me. to Hinduism with the polytheistic monotheism, all stemming from Akhenaten, right? The first right. one yeah. we have on record doing this. Um, Nimrod's debatable. Metatron's really the first, but take it back a notch. Um, when I say go Egyptian with a suborbital tethering system, I mean capturing solar flare energy. Oh, okay. I mean bringing it down. Something for everyone. Not NASA. Not Elon Musk. Capturing right. solar flare energy. I'm sorry. I, I Brevity's not my strong suit. That's the end. Oh. I was so going to give you all the pieces in between. <laughs> what are the applications of capture of captured solar energy, solar Pardon? flare energy? What what would be the applications of captured energy from solar flares? I mean, we can't. We're not going to be able to use it on Earth for. I mean, we got maybe a buck fifty, you know, until the honeybee population just isn't sustainable, and those are good numbers. That's me being optimistic about Wait, it. Wait, are, so, you, ta- are no. you talking about uh, human? Uh, Human overpopulation? Uh, extinction? No, I no, I just mean that um, I don't I don't get into dystopian futures. I only look at what my peers say, and my mm-hmm. peers believe that greenhouse gases coupled with existing solar flares, coupled with disease and the lack of pollination, uh, gives the planet. At best, two hundred and fifty years. I—that's what I've heard. I'm of the school of scientists that believe it's about a hundred years before that. So it's only our great great grandkids who get to live on Titan, Venus, or Mars, right? So you've got three options: you have to uh, cryo freeze five years to make the journey to Titan, and you have to terraform. And there needs to be a little bit of genetic modification to account for all the nitrogen. Venus is fine. Soviets wanted to do the Venusian uh, project um, before it ever was on NASA's radar. But Venus is only bad below the clouds. You've got, uh, you know, floating ports, then the air is breathable. Well, wouldn't it be a lot easier just to fix the Earth than to go to a different planet? We're past the point of no return at this point, man. And if you don't believe, oh, if you don't believe me, painful. just crack Farmer's Almanac the past ten years. Well, wow. and, and then look at the chaos and the in the synchronicity. There was a no my, my JPL my JPL context weather. said three generations. Yeah, I mean the if you want to look at Pleiades Pleiadian cycle, that's the big one. If you mm-hmm. want to look at from a uh, you know, a loss of uh, magnetic integrity, which is which is what happens. Um, oh, it's 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 the Earth's got a field with a certain number of particles in it, and we're putting more metals in that field. Um, there's two holes in the ozone. Uh, why we don't talk about it anymore? Right? Oh. No one brings it up in the news. It's not a point anymore. It was when I was in my team. Because it's a done deal? There's a hole forming. There are two. One Mm -hmm. was closed. So we are past the point of no return in one way. Do I believe 
Uh, man can overcome. Do I rebuke that in Jesus' name? I can. I Hallelujah. will. I will. Hey, I believe. What are I the believe. applications of carbon nanotechnology for removing yeah. carbon from the air? Is that possible? We, we've done it. We've been able to take greenhouse gases and create carbon nanotubes, carbon black. So 30% of all your tires on your bike, on your car, uh -huh. the plane that you've flown on, 30% of that tire's carbon black, and it's just oh. a more carbon that's an emulsifier in rubber and also aids in the, uh, so your tires don't melt. Um, not your tires, maybe Formula One tires, but anyways, <laughs> uh, we're, we're getting this stuff by converting pollution, so we're not carbon neutral. Oh. We're actually uh, carbon negative, so... Um, so you could take carbon out of the atmosphere and make it into things. Yeah, we've been doing that. We, that's one thing we've, we've been doing. Um, it's, it's something that is not scaled uh, because we've not had a customer pay for one. Um, I haven't in America. Uh, my partners have one running two in India, one in South Africa, and the next one will be England. I'm working on Germany, and I was talking to Exxon. Um, when Trump took us out of the Paris Accords, no one felt an initiative because any talk of the carbon tax relief, uh, the carbon market we lost under Cheney was null and void. Now, the one good thing I can say about Biden, I don't like how he addresses African-Americans. I don't like oh, interesting. that about Obama. And I do not like anyone who gives Epstein a pass, which is why Clintons don't get my money anymore. Right. So mm -hmm. before I sound more conservative than I mean to be, mm -hmm. I want to say this about Biden. I like Kamala Harris as far as professionally. I don't agree with some of the things she's done with black youth in order to, um, I won't call it shuck and jive, but step and fetch. Sorry, my dad's an attorney. That's another topic. My point is, is that because companies will receive carbon credits under a new administration democrats push for uh -huh. the epa will have a huh. website remember when the epa website was down for three months i do um is that, is that when uh is that when trump pretty much gutted the epa and put a guy in charge of the epa who said that his sole mission was to dismantle the epa it's hard to get the keystone pipeline through when you've got yep. the EPA. right so mm. this is all fine because you know, we're talking about how can companies be incentivized to take carbon out of the air with these machines. So they couldn't, and now they can. Yes, we can. No, he mm. can't. This guy might. We will see. Uh, special interests be special interests. Super PACs be super PACs. Um, earmarked funds be earmarked funds. Uh, if I have a lobbyist... I can get government funds. It's a sick game, but everything costs money. Even money costs money. So that's, that's one of those uh, detractors from technology I want to highlight because it is, you know, we got to talk about everything. We got to talk about things that limit people from being able to pursue nanotech. Uh, it's these red tape uh, strings you must cut through um, because even if you've got the best technology in the world, um, there's a good chance we're not going to see it. Um, 
And that's because you can't disrupt but to a point. You can't come out with uh, clean energy tomorrow that will, um, you know, bankrupt Detroit because it's, a, it's part of the S&P 500. The good old boys and the proud boys and the black boys and everyone else that's got skin in the Republican game that relies on that will not let you do that. So you're saying we would, we need to defeat capitalism before we can save the planet. You've got to you've got to you've got to find a way to do both. And this is where I think our black and white pillars uh, really come up visually, metaphorically, allegorically, and and literally right now. You've got to give yourself, uh, you know, you've got to have both parties, and then sometimes it's gray. Uh, but we've got to have both parties. We've got to always have. Um, you've got to have both parties, and I just I can't I can't explain it enough. Like we're never gonna we're never gonna have all Democrats and all Republicans. Just the country wasn't doesn't work that way. Federalists, um, you know, uh, what was what was that? Uh, what, grand old party, whatever they were called. Um, you know, you, it, it's it's always been a two-party country, um, you know, and so I think that the way that affects technology is <clears throat> is merely this: we have more being funded with manufacturing and products in a conservative-controlled house, and we have more being funded to R and D and uh, universities. Um, under a uh, liberal or, you know, the DNC uh, controlled House and Senate because it's not the president. Trump can say anything he wants. It's the Mitch McConnell's that great me. They're the ones that vote down these bills for technology or for, you know, what have you. They're the ones that pass Obamacare version 11 and then say Obamacare sucks. They put it down 10 times. So nanotech is no different. There is a nanotechnology initiative I am a part of um, and it's hard to get people to listen uh, it's hard to get people to initialize COVID did not help anything um, mm. but I have a good feeling about where things are going to go politically um, I think uh, religion has come a long way as well because if we talk about politics you have to talk about religion uh, that's yeah it's, the, it's been weaponized in fact I would say that yeah. the religious caucus is is probably the sole driver of this weird Christo-fascist anti-intellectual uh, sort of vibe that's dominated American politics right now. You said caucus. I plead <laughs> the fifth on that, and that's not because that's not because uh, I I can't touch that one on this call. But I will say that you can't talk about politics without talking about religion. But I think that. The difference is that when it comes to nanotech, uh, I will not be labeled sorcerer, will not be burned at the stake um, for doing things that Tesla and Egyptians did and, you know, humans long before that. So now, how did, connected to Amun-Ra, you said there was some type of Amun-Ra connection to the way you think about nanotechnology and science. I'm I'm only thinking in terms of utilizing that that's there that's always been there, and you can't utilize anything that you can't touch, and you can't touch anything you can't see, and you can't see these things with your eyes. 
So I don't expect anyone to, you know, jump on it. It's not drones. It's not uh, the Kardashians. It isn't basketball or football. It's not a car. Uh, it's not nothing to do with sex. It's about things that are 100,000 times thinner than a hair on your head. Um, You're talking about a- creation from the first atom up. Well, I mean, these things, these things can cure cancer, right? These things can allow for interstellar travel. These things can uh, stabilize molecules that are only stable for fractions of a second. Uh, the trimetaspheres being a good example. Um, and no one's even aware of them. So, but, but they've always been there. And some people were aware of them, you know. Look and at you the, say, when you say they, once again, well, who made Damascus steel, right? Damascus steel's got carbon nanotubes only on the sharp edge, though. They're not randomly in there. They're in there, seemingly random, but they're only on the cutting edge, though. Hmm. That's How do you think they did it? I think that they, uh, I think, I think they had a couple different things. I think number one, um, they had all the elements. So, uh, we don't we don't have them all, and we don't have them all for two reasons. Number one, um, some of them cannot be stabilized uh, in everyday air, which is why you don't when they happen, they're fractions of a second. You can't harness them, you can't catch them, you can't. Uh, you got to be there when they happen you, with the machine, with the laser, with the ions, with the mit. With you have to be there at that level at that time. And then the other way is we we manipulate everything to get that one thing. So we take something that has a hundred parts and strip 99 parts off to get the one. Um, and that's a couple things. I think the first, the main one is the deluge. Uh, so if you really want to talk about where I think the next big travel uh, frontier is, I think it's the ocean. I'm that, I'm that scientist. Um, so I do I, all everything that's ever been here is in the ocean. It's not in space. Space has everything that's ever been. Everything that's ever been here is in the water. So huh. that's where I think we're gonna have more discovery uh, of of uh, additional pieces of periodic periodic table. It's also just huh. being able to create heavier molecules. So the the Occam's razor of getting new elements to create new technology making heavier stuff uh and that is just that only takes energy and money um so that so that so i think those are really kind of the 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 things that we'll need to do is is get uh the the heavier molecules the heavier elements um i think and you think that they had some of the heavier elements in um uh in the times of akhenaten like the air was different or there was pollution and radiation hadn't killed these elements or what how do you think they access them i mean these are these are very simple low powered uh systems for concentrating energy uh the the waves don't really matter if you call the waves radiation from heat uh or if you call it um electron flow with a voltage applied electricity or if you call it um vibration sound uh the pyramids triangles concentrate and triangles break apart a spectrum 
prism mm-hmm. uh, and obelisk, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, what I know for fact is that Khufu's pyramids stand above a certain type of water system. Uh, it's not random. It's a water system where the limestone carries a certain type of charge uh, and it's got certain type of compound. It's a, it's a certain calcium metal. Um, okay. And when the water runs through it, right, in a certain way, uh, it creates a certain type of field. Um, okay. Why right under Khufu's pyramid? Why? Why under Khufu's pyramid? Why under that one, though? Um, it needs to create the circuit. So these are these are things we can start to draw from. Systems were in place. You know, we know the Egyptians had batteries. Right? Yeah. We know the Egyptians had surgery. We know. And, and break Egypt- that break that down for those of for those who don't know this. Uh, no. Egyptian had batteries. How were these batteries made? What did they look like? Uh, they were clay uh, pots with carbon uh, filaments in there, and they had um, electrolytes uh, liquid. And so uh, that was the battery. I mean, you can make one of these with a lemon. You get a lemon for uh-huh. your electrolyte liquid, mm-hmm. and for your anode and cathode, you get a copper penny, and you get a zinc nail. And you can attach LED leads to each end, and it will light up the bulb. Uh, so great how? first science that, fair project for Max, by the that, way. That sounds amazing. Do it. Like how? Well, what is happening Everyone there? Loves when... it. You, you never drank lemonade? You don't yes, feel I just... what it does to you? You got to drink. If... I, I will tell you. I never uh-huh. really got steals your electrons. Fresh lemons. Yeah, <laughs> lemonade with fresh lemon juice every morning uh-huh. uh, with coffee will change your life. If you can pair it with Kagan water or or super alkaline water that's got a that's got a stable uh, 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 molecular structure. Uh, Japan's got all of it. Um, that that will change your life, man. Um, because you want to get rid of the free radicals. So the electrolytes huh. do what they're supposed to do. So you got to balance the equation with the alkaline water because you eat preservatives, but you also eat kimchi. So that's balancing your gut, right? I don't, <laughs> no, it's, it's the science of it, right? So we've oh, got man. these free radicals, which are parts of molecules. You've got to balance the equation with the, the alkaline. So... Once that's done, your electrolytes can do what they're supposed to do. You're a battery. Around 110 to 130. I'm a battery. Wow. You're running a 110 to 130 voltage right now. Yeah, man. Shit. Well, not a voltage. Sorry. Current. Um, current. Yeah, the voltage is you don't shoot lightning. I don't, I'm not there yet. Uh, we don't <laughs> wow. even know what electricity is. You're getting into Fermi Dirac and uh, a lot of Faraday right now yeah this is this is tricky water i don't want to say anything on record i like this this Uh, is really getting interesting i don't know who's going to hear this stuff um but yeah edward what are your questions uh (laughs) since we have this 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 brilliant barely apprehendable mind well i i i'm only you being an adept in kabbalah i was i was just thinking about i i know because since this was the esoteric nerd there's going to be a few people that are like listening, thinking, what does this have to do with esoterics? 
I mean, I, not that they're right in thinking that, um, you know, I, I love all my listeners and everything, but uh, I, I guess to help, to help bring some clarity of context, why on earth are we talking about nanotechnology on the periodic chart? Um, I, I, just to throw a couple things out there, uh, Isaac Newton, of course, uh, you know, a Rosicrucian alchemist uh, in the old school sense that he kind of invented modern science, you know, physics and calculus. Right. Anyway. <clears throat> and then, of course, you mentioned Jack Parsons. Um, kind of a, in a meta picture, like, a, like a, a looking, looking at it from a bird's eye view, magic and Kabbalah and esoterica uh, inspires, guides, uh, helps to bring a mental framework into, for example, for, for, for you, Robbie, um, you know, the, the activist work that you do. And and, right. for, and for you, Joel, um, the scientific work you do. And for me, it's I, I, my focus is kind of elsewhere right now in in, in kind of a, a Buddhist kind of uh, you know yogic path. But uh, so yeah, I just kind of wanted to tie it back there a, a little bit before we start to wrap up. Um, as far as like, can you tell us a little bit about a little more about uh, maybe your background and how it 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 relates to this work and the 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 uh the scientific work the nanotech work i know it, you, you mentioned your dad was a rabbi my biological dad is an attorney uh or retired as an attorney oh okay my stepdad uh my stepdad was a uh, that's his religion attorney <laughs> yeah yeah it's his species um, and, uh, my my stepdad um was a social worker who became a rabbi later. okay in the life. And, and, and so you, you were exposed to Kabbalah at a very young age. Yeah, right around bar mitzvah age, I was reading Kun Ma'ayon, which is a basic text uh, written by the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe. Um, and so that is uh, really basic stuff. Um, and I dabbled in, I've read some Zohar um i'm not 40 so i'm not i just i just respect that i'm not married uh and i haven't made attempts to to be married um and that's a you need the polarity to 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 work kabbalah mm. if you have a penis wow. and right, that that's only yeah goes that's the, the level that you're vibrating there yeah that's, yeah, that's, that's why me yeah, and crowley are, and and fred or rc are so screwed up <laughs> yeah, we have to we have to hold our seed like you can't to tap it uh no for me to really start to do alchemical work um i can't um lose any seed for at least 60 30 60 days yeah no that's literally my creative spinal fluid that's it's a protein, butter, man it's dna i need it to create people or ideas Anyways, the polarity that you get from marriage uh, and, and being 40 years of age or having 40 earth souls uh, are two requisites that Judaism asks of you before you dabble into um, a lot of the heavier Kabbalah. Um, so I've respected Kabbalah with a K for the most part. Mm. Uh, Kabbalah with a Q, um, I started looking at some lesser key of Solomon uh, about two years ago um and it's very useful stuff huh. uh, yeah 
Oh. And uh, just for anyone who's confused, who's listening, Kabbalah with a K being the more uh, traditional Jewish Kabbalah. Kabbalah with a Q is no reference to QAnon at all. That's uh, no. just <laughs> no. No. <laughs> hermetic Kabbalah, sort of the Christianized Kabbalah, Kabbalah as filtered through the, the Jesuits that were sort of whispering in secret and uh, these various m- mythical monks like Christian Rosenkreutz who uh, secretly passed on these mysteries in, in whispered corridors within the church. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I say when, when, when man came to the West, Kabbalah, you know, started, started being spelled with a Q. And I think it was, um, I think it was out of respect, but I also think that being a sum of all your part becomes something else. Uh, and I think that, um, I think that's to be respected, uh, and I think that's to be honored, but I think something new was created, uh, in the Western hemispheres, and I believe that it isn't necessarily, uh, you know, it's not just my special brand of actorite that I'm drinking when it comes to religion, at least from a respect level, right? right? So... Crowley, right? Um, Casey. Uh, there was a lot being, I mean, Gardner too. I don't, that's not my favorite brand of Wicca, but we'll throw him in there too. So there was a lot of, a lot of new work being done in the West and um, that needs to be differentiated. Uh, I'm because I'm wicking myself. <laughs> word okay okay i i can do uh, yeah you know. i um yeah i read witch's handbook um mm. like i said gavin and yvonne frost were good friends of my mom um yeah threefold all the way uh there uh there there's stuff i'm i'm taking a lot from with wicca levain satanism um a lot of the a lot of the crowley work um I, I will not, uh, you know, entities are, you know, there's just every, the only, the only thing about Crowley that I will say on record is this, um, you cannot, uh, you can't, um, you can't do those two things at once spiritually, uh, and it's not sustainable. In other words, you can't, and the two things I'm speaking of are, I will not um, call something forth to bind it. I, right. I will not participate in that ritual. That is my huh. one very few hard limits. Um, I don't do that. I will not attempt to uh, wrestle an angelic uh, force or what I perceive to be one. Um, I will not. Uh, I will not be uh, foolhardy to think that. Um, that's something that I, I, I can, I can get away with. Um, only wow. because I don't, I, I just really have a very strong, uh, faith in, in angels. Uh, and it is a faith thing. Um, and it's no different than the faith that tells me it's the wind that carries leaves from the tree. And it isn't, a, you know, an invisible guy. It's, it's that same faith. So, yeah. uh, that's uh that's 
that's that's anyways i said a lot there but um my my i believe they're patriarchs um enoch abraham patriarchs of kabbalah with a k really enoch um and uh the patriarch in my opinion uh metatron if you will uh and then um in the west we we just had a different uh patriarchy and it is uh it is the same kabbalah but it is it 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 has different things going on Mm -hmm. um you know i think that i think you need a balance i think that's why it's you know it's very straightforward when we do rituals or something that looks like a chessboard chaos and chance and quantum uh you know realm um these are these are just very 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 large scales of statistics and probability uh (laughs) infinitesimal um eternal and so we 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 try to work with uh that order um we also try to work with and respect that chaos um and so i do believe that 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 we need uh both kabbalas you know Mm. i believe that we also need left hand and right hand path um i believe that 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 both are important and i need to really say that because there's left hand and right hand path in kabbalah with a k and there's left hand and right hand path in kabbalah with a q and it's nothing more than it's it's only positrons and electrons when you know what they do and how they work then it then it makes sense and um that's 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 so how I feel. Yeah. that's a fascinating way to think about sex magic positrons and electrons tell me more about that i haven't done any sex magic yet because i haven't i haven't had a partner i can get tantric with i um i haven't studied any with anyone who i feel comfortable with um la has a real laid back um uh la's like a giant like scarlet letter in america uh really compared to where we grew up um <laughs> LA, la doesn't have a real respect for sex and that's only because like pornography is really low vibration and 90 percent of the world's porn's coming from right over the hollywood sign that affects you when you drive over the hill um, in a very, you can feel the vibration start to right. change. Not to mention Hollywood. Hollywood. Hollywood has kind of a twisted. Yeah, I don't, I don't like to do any ritual work in Hollywood or mm. anywhere near or the Valley. Um, Robbie's got really great spots as close as Pasadena. People who I was introduced to and as far as Joshua Tree um, that are not uh, on those lines, yeah. they are not. Uh, they are not. Um, they are not conduits for that. So for me, I'm really sensitive to all that stuff. Uh, back to sex magic. Um, I, I uh, my buddy Gianni um, gave me a book on Taoist sex magic. Uh, he's been dabbling in that for a while. I haven't read it yet. I would be interested in that. Um, I'm all, I'm more interested in the Kundalini, uh, really, really building it from Kundalini 
and um you know working with the yogini and building my fire and then and then just after that it's just it's it's all harnessing um and so that i know for me i've got to literally you know and it, it comes through your voice uh you can hear when someone's been doing that type of work um so so i kind of have a plan with the sex magic i'm not even married yet though brother so i if I don't get the polarity right, the duality right, I can't, I can't, I can't work it. So it's, that's my experience with it. Mm. The, the political parties, the, the, the liberal and the uh, conservative and the shifting back and forth, it sounds like ACDC current uh, that, that you were saying you need, you need them both. Can you relate yeah. that to subatomic particles <laughs> or uh, something? Uh, yeah, I mean, you you need positive and negative. You need those. Uh and the reason why we need those is because you you can't um at least in terms of electricity uh you 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 <laughs> not in terms of electricity in terms of energy optics there's optics that run on uh electron beams, right? So um the reason why is because these electron beams will over 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 uh overfill an element uh because it's filled with electrons and when they start to backscatter it knows what it is it has a sensor and reads it mm. um and i mean that's that's what happens when electrons bounce off of an element we know exactly what it is because a few electrons bounced off it so when you're absorbing it, um, when you're when you're when you're when you're utilizing it, you're being bombarded by it. Uh, your phone is giving you some, right? So, uh, bring that to media. Bring that to where we are, the current political climate. Um, there's a couple of things that I will go on record and say, um, and this is stuff that's like William Cooper. Uh, don't really like talk about why you know this stuff so i'll just tell you a little birdie allegedly told me when playing minecraft you really don't want to be watching much tv uh um uh so frequencies um and oscillation um certain frequencies lead to susceptibility uh and these are subliminal um transmissions so i think both parties have been accused by doing it in different ways um and that is sort of probably the negative part because i'm not happy with any party's uh media portrayal or the way that they utilize the media is misdirection um there are things happening in the world uh there there is a genocide happening in china right now um, that is should be at the forefront of wow. all outlets, and it isn't. Yeah, we huh. look at we look at the guy who used to host The Apprentice on Twitter, and that becomes the headline. It's misdirection. So I will not be, I will not be, uh, I I will not be curtailed uh, by that. Um, I I read all about Harry Houdini's fun. Oh, it works. Um. So that's the thing is I'm not happy with Jeff Bezos. Um, I don't like what he did with the times. I don't like how I get the emails. 
I don't like how it's written. It's very one-sided. Um, well, I don't. Let me ask you, as a as a black man, how do you experience America right now with a heightened heightened uh, racial conflict and the Proud Boys just just splintered into two because gloves off. I don't want queers. Yeah, now they're proud goys too. Colored people, the proud, we're white nationalists. And uh, I mean, with people that are like actually admitting that they're white nationalists, that are actually in conventional politics, what is that like for you as a, as an African American scientist? I mean, for me, it's 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 I don't. It hasn't really spoiled my milk ever. <laughs> uh, you know, it hasn't spoiled your milk. Okay. No, I, I, uh, I, um, I mean, have you experienced any sort of threats or intimidation being a black man? I kind of in- lean right into it. If I notice a swastika, I usually stretch my hand out to someone. Um, and I usually get a handshake back with that stuff. I'm really, really naive or I'm fearless. And maybe I've been trained in martial arts too. It's possible, allegedly. Uh, so I don't, I don't really, um, I haven't, I'm not a fighter either. I'm a very much a pacifist. I uh, probably watched American history X with more neo-Nazis uh, than most people. Um, and Aryans are very, very, very much, um, I get it. You know, I get huh? it. I get it. I get it. What is there to get? Well, where it comes from. So it's, uh, you know, we have to go back to Norse mythology. We need to go all the way back to Woden. Woden says, I, man, Norse man, Aryan man in the future. I, Norse man, have reasoning. Now I have reasoning. I am equal with God. I am not God. I am equal with God. White Norse man. From there, well, from there we get everything. We get all the fascism. We get all of it, and it, wow. it's the trip. So, so some of their primal, so some of their primal narratives are innately racist. You're saying, wow. Uh, it's no one makes me. Why is the Tiwas ruining all the nationalist flags? That was one of my favorite runes. That was one of my favorite runes too. Um, but uh, I know I used to love goose stamping, but Hitler just ruined it for me. And that because Charlie Chaplin mustache. <laughs> I know what it is. Yeah, I think I we should reclaim is. goose stepping. I'm just going to start going around doing that. I mean, you know, just I, for the uh, sheer hell of it. I um, you know, it's uh, I get it. I get everyone wants to belong. And I think that that's the main thing that uh, that drives a lot of the youth towards white supremacy is that when people have been telling you for the last 30 years, we've got history and the internet now, we realize you're the biggest assholes on the planet. I would have <laughs> probably get tired of hearing it at some point. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> well, and it, for people who... Uh... I, I, I know how to play devil's advocate. I can go fully on the other side. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what 
that would be like. Um, but I do know that everyone wants to belong. And I do know that at the end of the day, it's something that's been around for a long time. And in that way, it is, runes are not much different than the Torah. Runes are not much different than, uh, you know, the asteroid Mecca, right? Runes are not much different than uh, any other artifacts that we have that prove there's a power greater than ourselves. We look to these things. Um, it's part of being human. Uh, I think. Did you, um, did you say, uh, did you say Mecca is an asteroid? I've heard that before. You can't dig it up or you'll be shot on an attempt, but supposedly it's either attached to the building, in the building, or under huh. the building. And wow. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and that's where the, the, the idea of the black stone comes from that, that's related to the Kaaba is this asteroid? Um, you know, Islam starts getting into some really... Uh, <clears throat> some really um some really so there's a split between judaism and islam uh, -huh. uh after akkadian right after akkadian mesopotamian sumerian uh cradle of civilization so between there uh -huh. and well 1666 somewhere between there uh <laughs> Um, preceding Muhammad, right? So it wasn't actually Muhammad. It's right before Muhammad. So right now, I'm really interested in that split. Mm. Um, like Isaac five or six hundred AD, I think. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really interested in that split. Uh, I got a buddy of mine at UVA who I recently reconnected with. Guy's PhD from Harvard in uh, theology or, um, and he um, is, is at UVA now teaching uh, really r smarter, smart, smarter than me. Um, also black, but he was raised Muslim. So we, we will come together and do some great work on that hopefully soon. So I would like to, I would like to uh, participate in that. Some, my dissertation was related to how the Isaac and Ishmael narrative is kind of an algorithm within a larger algorithm that's actually contributed wow. to current global conflicts. And oh, it's, it. it's how the different groups, uh, it's how that different groups can reconceptualize their narrative, the shapes, their, uh, their stance towards the other, where it's more peaceful or whether it's more combative. Hmm. Um, did you ever tell my mom this? I, I thought I did. It's so funny because like, I mean, you live with people and they do all these cool, awesome things, but half the time you're just like talking about food, you know, hit Joel's mom, cook the most amazing vegan soul food. Like she made Ooh. this stuff that yeah, she really does. And tasted just like catfish with yeah, the dill sauce really and it was all vegan. Yeah. She won't tell me what it was. It's like no. complete sorcery, her ability to do this. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. And I, if I knew, I couldn't tell you. Um, but, but what I wanted to say though is, man, uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of great work to be done, uh, between the three of us, much opportunity to bring it all together. And I think that, um, metaphysics, um, really does that. It brings, uh, it's more science than religion likes, and it's more religion than science likes. And you just, yeah. make it work. 
And where there's question marks, respectfully, honorably, you can start to give some some proof. And Edward, you mentioned Newton. Oh, Newton. Um, Newton, boy, Newton. Um, um, it's hard to say if anyone contributed more to to uh, the 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 what I say the the put up or shut up of it all. In other words. You need to give me uh, repeatable experiments. We need credence. We need uh, reference. And uh, most importantly, um, I need visualization, and it needs to be tangible. Mm -hmm. um, the only problem with proof is as though it works against faith. So th this, is where, this is where we start to run into, um, like, the Shroud of Turin. Um, we're never going to know what the real results are because the Holy See will not publicize that. Um, those real results are never going to leave a vault in the Vatican because one way or the other, yeah, it does just, that's just a little too much proof one way or the other. And, uh, but, but we have the Dead Sea Scrolls, Dead Sea Scrolls. And the reason why I love the Dead Sea Scrolls is the only complete book in it is my favorite one that ain't canonized book of enoch that's the only complete book in there mm. and that lets me know that more than likely after you read the book of enoch it kind of makes sense genesis was like a cliff notes version of that and something else put together yeah baruch maybe yeah. one of those other non-canonized books so you know we we just have this level of uh you know, things that will be plausible deniability, um, which is what we see our government having a lot of, but there's the same uh, lack of transparency with a lot of our uh, artifacts that will prove or disprove. Um, we know where the Ark is. You just can't go in there, right? Because if you go in there and you read that, you change the narrative of the other two because it's three in Jerusalem, right? It's Judeo-Christian Islam, right? So you can't read that and publicize that or you will die, right? That's known stuff in Jerusalem. This is known. You cannot take photos in there or you will die. Um, Egypt, there's certain places in Egypt you cannot go or you will die, right? You're not going to get that proof, right? People how kill you or something beyond? Like how, no, how come we don't go in all of Khufu's chambers? Because that mm. stuff is not getting released. That's why. Like, it's not. Like, it, it, it isn't. It's very easy to get in there. It isn't difficult to get in there. Um, it, just like it's very easy to, 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 uh, what's a good example? What's a relic? Um, so you think there's actual modest, technology modest. in these, in these pyramids that, that, people in authority know about that the average person doesn't know about i think that our government and uh hides stuff from us and i think that other governments also aren't transparent fully with their citizens and yeah uh so i think that just like the you know the guy who discovers lightning in a bottle to give unlimited energy he gets mysteriously assassinated right before exxon goes public right um just like that 
there's a sweet there's a sweet dance, and it is a dance, and it is a game to the 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 level of disruption. I mentioned that before. I'll mention it again. There is a certain uh, rate of disruption that that the powers that be and um, I think the planet will allow, so as it doesn't offset everything else. Um, and whether that be you know man getting involved or whether that be uh, nature getting involved, um, I think that goes two ways. I think that there's a the Earth has to go through a cycle of change, um, and I hope we survive it. To to just talk a little bit of dystopian future I did on earlier, uh, but then I also think when it comes to what man can do, um, you know we're not going to be able to extend our lives two thousand years. We lost that. We can't do that anymore. That's not that was a uh, a proponent of leaving Eden. Now, I believe Eden still exists. I think you can access it and I think you can live 900 years there if you want to. I don't base that on anything other than me. I just, that's what I believe. Um, right. That I do. It's just faith. Um, like in the Tigris and Euphrates, like the literal biblical right. story of right. Eden? Right. So, yeah. Well, it, it's it, it, what dimension, right? So what huh, yeah. on what plane, how far under the earth or like, is it, is it, is it, is it a realm that another dimension that we can't conceive of yet? Is there an earth on top of this earth? Right. I don't, I don't have those tools to measure right now, but I don't want to get too far off point. I'm, I'm saying that man will not access Eden. Man will not live a thousand years. Uh, the forces that be the Ouroboros, the firmament, the fences, the limiters they're not the dominions right we're not going to be able to huh. do that because that's that is a that is a uh we tried that and 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 it didn't work very well so right? what so, do you believe about the watchers you know because what you're talking about sounds a lot like the watchers in the book of enoch yeah yeah i mean jen watchers nephilim i think we're we're starting to get over a little bit on time that's kind of something i might want to say for a whole nother conversation oh uh, no, it's come been, on it's, it's just starting to get good <laughs> it's, it's uh you no know, i gotta um you know i will say this i think that uh i think that um the book of enoch is probably uh should be canonized i got more out of the book of Enoch than I did um, Genesis. Uh, Genesis just has some really cool stories, but Genesis doesn't give the names. It doesn't give the actions. It doesn't explain things uh, the way I like things explained. You know, things I always wonder, like, why do women wear makeup? Why, but why? The why, why, when, who, which one? Okay. So here's here's something I've discovered so, historically, because um, yeah. you know you know I'm more into the theological history of all these things, but right. hi, since we talked last, I have found that there is archaeological and textual proof that the order that Jesus was a part of moved to uh, the Garden of Eden between the Tigris and Euphrates after the destruction of Jerusalem and after a uh, Qumran was sacked, because uh, the Essenes. Uh, they also had a lot of zealots that lived with them. It was almost like, you know, the, uh, you know, Black Panthers or occasionally stay in a hippie commune, you know? Well, no, um, I mean, Josephus uh, has the Essenes on record as late as 
geez, the 300, 330, uh, and they were still um, – Josephus talks about them being in Greece uh, and them having aspects yeah, Pythagoreans. Of, well, they had aspects of the Nazarite vows, right? There was no mm-hmm. drink, but they did, but they did uh, cannibalism as part of the uh, the offering tent. So yes. uh, they would have the stone with, I believe it was pomegranate, uh, cannibalism, uh, frankincense, uh, and they would waft it under a sheet on the heated stone uh, before prayer. That was an Essene trait. So, the um, Scythians did that too. I've heard that the Scythians yeah, kind yeah. of brought that to the Middle yeah. East in some ways. Yeah, well, and then you start to, that's how it goes to the Ashashin um, under, uh, under, um, Suleiman. Yeah. No, not Suleiman, who brought them all together. Uh, who brought everybody together over there? Not Suleiman. All that stuff was happening Saladin? under all. <laughs> Saladin. Thank you, Saladin. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Saladin. The man, the Mac Daddy, Solomon. I, Solomon. <laughs> I mean, Solomon and Saladin. Solomon's my Hebrew name. So that was a little Freudian mm. slip there. But uh, no, Saladin, yeah. Um, all of that was happening that under him. Um, and I really love that era of the Middle East Um you know, I have a good friend who grew up, her parents are Sufis. And uh, Sufism's like some of the most beautiful literature I've ever read. Mm. Oh, yeah. If the words sure. don't get you, the calligraphy is, 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 is magical and majestic. You know, uh, Arabic's got a lot, you know. And I, I had a theory. It was, I have my theories about, you know, it, how Arabic and, you know, uh, Aramaic broke off because uh, they're very similar. Um, but yeah, man, I, uh, just to, just to close up. Yeah. I, um, I think, I think all the watchers, um, I really, I really hold fast to all that in the book of Enoch. For me, it's canon. It is canon for me. So in, in Joel's world. Yeah. Nice. Are you, so are you privy to information as a scientist that you're not telling us? That's what you're saying? Is there stuff that you know that we, you can't tell people? What do you mean? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we all got a little bit of that, by the way. I don't think I just have a, one of those keys. I think we all have one of those keys, though. So One of those keys. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, one of those keys. What were you saying, Edward? Oh, I, I was just uh, thinking, oh, we, got, uh, we got two hours so far. Maybe we, we could wrap this up, but I think we should do a part two. Maybe not, you know, next week, but like at a certain point um, after re-listening to this, we can take some notes. And I, I know there's going to be at least 10 things that each of us think, oh, hey, we could have gone in that direction, connected this dot with that dot. So, uh, so yeah, I think we should do this again sometime. Um, that sounds good. But I, I, I definitely appreciate you coming on, Joel. And uh, I was uh, just wondering if you if there was anything you wanted to close with. If there, I, I don't I, I, I was going to say if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? But are you even interested in people getting in touch with you? <laughs> <laughs> I um always. Oh, okay. I, uh, okay. I um real friends are 
I don't even really like the term friends. I like family. Yeah. Um, you're born with a family. And then just like Mark Twain said, the day you find out why you were born, sometime around the greatest day of your life, you realize you have a second family. Yeah. And they're all your real friends. Yeah. They're the friends yeah. that they're the friends that you'll almost come to blows. You'll chew each other out. You'll even threaten each other. Uh, and you might even <laughs> end up in some, some situations. But you know what? Um, that's the thing about family. You end up eating dinner together not too much long after. And that's, you know, <laughs> I, I'm all about family. Robbie and I, we have those scars. And they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're scars I wouldn't trade anything for. Because oh, I didn't know. I think that would be a good story to tell on our next one. There's some really no, interesting no, stuff with that. No, that's that's not on the record. That's when, oh, when, we're, okay. when we're all in Nepal and in Bhutan, um, you know, eating curry, uh, all the curry. Um, uh, I want that, all but, the curry. But it's been it's been what I'm saying is rarely are you tested. Rarely is a relationship truly tested. Rarely is a connection truly tested. Um, and a lot of things break. And, you know, I think Robbie and I have something that's unbroken and, and it's unmatched. And, um, if you can, if, if, if I can, uh, you know, invite you. And if you would be a part of this, uh, with the great spiritual work that we've set out to do, uh, Edward, um, you know, I think that, that we can really, uh, make a difference in the world. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean yeah, that. Definitely. Translating yeah. metaphysics into uh, into real tangible results is a beautiful thing. Um, next time we get together, yeah. I would love to just start almost as a starting point from that Saturn ritual and describe what we did and describe what happened thereafter. Because after that, a lot of stuff happened that year. Yeah, that year was wild for me. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want to say I got everything I wanted, but I will say that when you have your year uh, and, the, and the electrons are really flowing in your direction, um, you really have to be clear about what you actually think you want and what you want. That's yeah. usually hindsight. Interesting. A lot of good and bad things happened in 2018. I wouldn't trade it for the world because I wow. wouldn't be here if I did. And so, uh, <laughs> you no, know, that was a rough year, man. I lost the house. Um, oh. Yeah, me and Robin and all that. But, uh, yeah. I mean, also Netherlands. Also, you know, um, where else? There? France. Also, uh, Indie Lab. We started the lab. Or mm -hmm. I joined the board. They already started it. But I, How's uh, that going now? Ownership. It's good. Oh, that's the lab's good, man. I just did some work up there. It's good. Where are you it's guys good. based out of now? Richmond. Richmond. Virginia? Yeah, I mean, that's the okay. lab I work out of now. I couldn't – New York was too expensive. L.A. didn't really have a real ecosystem. Um, so You were working with UC Riverside for a minute, right? Still am. I still have an advisor there. I had a visiting – I had a visiting uh, – a visiting scholar. Uh, uh, I was doing a visiting scholarship there um, for a year, uh, and they wouldn't let me patent anything because they said, um, oh. "Yeah, they said uh, they said any any uh, thing that you do here 
we're going to own uh, 60% of it. And I said, what about the stuff I already did? And they're like, but you already did it. So any new patents is going to be stuff you did here, right? And I was like, hold please. And, and then I, um, I went to are Richmond. You are you connected and, uh, to any universities back there? Yeah, we, we, uh, I just did some stuff at Virginia Tech, which is kind of full circle. I, I started out, I took my first college class at 15. It was general physics at Tech, and now I'm working there uh, on stuff. So that's a big full circle for me. Um, you were doing college and, physics at 15? Well, I just wanted to take it, and they didn't offer it. <laughs> my mom just went and asked if I could do it, and then she went to the the school board, and they said they would uh, they would make sure I – uh, it was matriculated credit. So, yeah. Uh, but, um, I don't know, man. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love Virginia. I've always loved Virginia. Uh, these mountains are the lowest, uh, which means they're the oldest. And there's, yeah, I've uh, heard that. there's a magic here. You can't find anywhere else in the new river. The only other river, travels in the opposite direction like the Nile so, mm. so and it's the, the second oldest, are beautiful it's the second oldest in the world next to the Nile so it's really the nature I'm out in the nature right now can't beat it with a stick um but to be back uh Virginia Tech is good I I love LA uh only so much as the people that I did meet that were amazing and having my son there but I never fell in love with LA Robbie, you know, mm. I fell in love with, with you and Anna. <laughs> you know, I did. Even, 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 even God, you know how you know? Yeah, spirit's funny. Uh, when someone instantly bothers you, it's you. It's not them. So, so Nathan, <laughs> I even love Nathan. And if Nathan doesn't grate my gear every single time, it's only because he does exactly what I do. That's it. <laughs> I realized that one day, I was like, he's, he just does exactly what I do. In fact, I was going to challenge him to a push-up contest because I knew I couldn't pull off the backflip. So, like, it, it was almost bad that one day. Oh, but you're anyways, talking about Nolan. Nolan, the guy, what did uh, I the say? guy Nathan? Played bass? I said Nathan. I meant Nolan. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Nolan. Sorry. Yeah, no. No, but spirit's funny. Um, but even – I say all this to say this. The people are who I fell in love with, uh, you know, not the place. And Virginia. Right, right so much more so yeah. oh man I've, I've spent time in the Appalachians it is it's yeah. magical just the air the smell the moisture that's in the air the moss the it's so primal it's a dang it's forest good. it's good it's it's good it's good so um yeah I'll be coming back to LA uh to get stuff in like a month um you know uh and then well, please swing by for uh socially distanced coffee Oh no, I will. I will. You know it. I, I just, I'm just letting you know the time frame to expect me. Uh, but I will definitely see you. Um, and then Edward, uh, we have to make plans. Um, my next international flight will hopefully be next month to Peru. After that, let's start, um, seeing, uh, how close of a nanotech conference is held to the, where you're at. And, uh, that'll give me a, something to write off indeed I, I think that right now india is not letting anyone in uh because of covid uh so it'll you know it'll probably have to be maybe when uh this pfizer vaccine gets going or maybe another vaccine 
Sure, sure, sure. We'll see what happens. I'm not excited and jazzed about the vaccines, but mm. Oh, really? No, I'm not. I'm not uh, about vaccines. I'm not. But I think they're good. I think you need some. Um, uh-huh. I think you need some. I just think that uh, data is important. And so are clinical trials. And you can make sample sets look like anything you want. Uh, yeah, you can you can manipulate data to literally have any outcome you want: positive, negative, neutral. Technical writing with peer-reviewed journals is yeah. And there's a lot of a lot of other motivators going on besides actually helping people, like you know, being the first company, the first country, or whatever to get the yeah. And of course, all the money and prestige that comes with that. I'm not surprised it's the same guys that keep your dick hard. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I wish I could say I was. I'm not surprised at all. Oh, man. I'm not surprised at all. Not even in the slightest. In fact, if you would have asked me to bet who comes up with it between them and Merck, um, maybe Bear, because Bear does a lot of stuff on the sly, sly, little skunk works, little, little private stuff that, like, no one knows about. Uh, like they just huh. quietly became the largest carbon nanotube producer in the world and then hey. just shut it down one day for no reason. Oh, yeah, Bear's got biological. Yeah, Bear does. Bear's got its own Vatican, dude. It's called Kim Park. <laughs> hey, listen to me. Bear has its own Vatican in Germany where the laws are different in the Kim Park and you live there and it's a different zip code. I'm trying to tell you, Bear. That company, weird. If, if you ever thought there was a real umbrella company, it's either Bear or Unilever. Mm. And Unilever starts Holy with you. So, yeah. Anyways. Um, that, that, that's that's worth the whole episode of Esoteric Nerd right there. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> Unilever. I also, I'm also a little biased because they were my first customer and never paid me. So, ergo, oh, there is a little personal bias with Unilever. That's such a mafia still, move. Yeah, it's all good. It's a Donald it's Trump cool. move. It's cool. yep. It's a it's dick price. move. I got I got paperwork with their name on it. It was worth it was worth it. <laughs> it was worth it. Great first customer. So uh, I'll take it. Lesson nice. learned. Get the, get the money first. Lesson learned. So <laughs> anyways, um well guys right, I, uh, it's it's really good to 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 be in the spirit with you all because that's what it feels like. Yes. Uh, you know, we, we went on a lot of tangents. And we talked about a lot. Yeah, <laughs> this was all over the um, place. <laughs> but I, but it, it could be it could be rearranged though, because we covered some beautiful territory, man. Yeah, you I'll know, just... it was it wasn't scripted. You let me talk a lot. Thank you. I'll try oh, to pass the talk next time. <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't scripted. It was real, and um, nothing fell on deaf ears. And uh, I feel sharper because iron sharpens uh, iron. It was oh, wonderful nice. connecting with you guys, man. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, guys, be in touch. Uh, Edward, I will give you my Google Voice. Um, okay. If you ever want to text or reach out, uh, texting is super easy way to get in contact with me. Uh, Facebook Messenger is just as good as text for me. So I'll I'll usually respond unless I'm asleep or right in the middle of something. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Sounds good. Yeah. Thank you very much for coming on here. I know uh, uh, Robbie's been talking about doing this episode for, I think, about two years. 
Oh wow. yeah. Wow. I, I've been so looking forward to connecting you two of the most interesting people I know. <laughs> and I, we met, I was... remember you and I met at uh, Robbie's place at uh, that party. I remember there were vegan hot dogs. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was that the night, uh, was that the, the late night where um, it was you, uh, you, Carrie, okay, because it ended up being four guys, and I remember it was Rob, the professor, Carrie, Cam, the professor, yeah. Were we at yeah. the, were we was around the rainbow night? fire altar? Yeah, we, we, you, you did it, you did an indoor ritual, yeah, exactly, that you, that you never, I was like, oh my god someone got into my bud and accidentally lit it on fire and I came down and it's like the four of you I'm like okay I just went to church with some of these people this is very cool nice. no one's okay. this is very cool I was like this we can do everything together this is awesome so yeah we've um, got we we've had some good grok sessions man god we have jeez lord we have <laughs> and right on time some of them too right on time like right when we were getting some of the gnarliest fucking shit happening to us we'll yes connect. uh yeah <laughs> yeah dude yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah man i uh I love energy, you, man. energy current transfer yeah i love you dude and um you know edward i will uh I will start loving you now. You know? <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> it's an action. It's an action. Yeah. You know, Definitely. What, what is, okay. I, I know what to end on. What's that? My def, what is love? Right. So love is a lot of different definitions. Uh, and for me, it is providing giving to others basic needs. Uh, without personal reward as a motive. So um, the way that I would fix my son a meal without expecting him to pay for it, uh, or the way that I, you know, love Jackie Chan movies, even though I've never met him, they're different intensities, but it's the same thing. It is just, I wanna, I wanna see you thrive. I wanna be there and turn one of those wheels. And um, yeah. the way you pay that back to me is by doing that thing. And that is my <laughs> man. So I'm starting to love you today. Nice. Yeah. Dude, I, I, I will sit and turn the wheel with you any day, my brother. God, I love you, man. <laughs> All right. Blessings. Blessings to you, too. And thank you for posting that thing on my Facebook wall. That moved me. I needed it. <laughs> All right, man. For sure. It was beautiful. All right. God bless you guys. God bless uh, you. And, um, yeah, have a, have a strong and powerful day. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Right. You too. Thank I'm you. in raw. <laughs> Hotep. <laughs> All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Good night. All right. Looks like it's. Are you still on there? Yes, I'm still on here. All right. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Oh, He's one of the rare individuals that just, um, he kind of thinks multidimensionally and uh, it's part of his genius and it's, mm. it's fascinating. It just takes, it takes a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've, I'm, at least I'm a little bit out of practice or my, my path lately has been more contemplative and less sort of manic 
You know what I mean? Like, or, or like, yeah, yeah. I, I used to get really impassioned with grand arm gestures talking about esoterics, but now I'm, I just sort of, Hmm, <laughs> you know, it's much more of a, <laughs> like a, a slow, quiet, uh, observation process. It's fascinating. You're the difference being in India for a few years. Yeah. Well, and being retired from active duty on, in the cult, like I, cause I, I think I was teaching before I had learned anything, you know, is the thing. Like I, they had me oh. up on a, they had me up on a pedestal in a white robe in front of a hundred people performing as if I were, uh, you know, uh, a magician who had, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, really, uh, done something. And, uh, and so I kind of got used to being in that role and then, and then sort of realized that I didn't have anything really much behind it because all of my time and energy in the cult was directed toward, you know, very low vibration politics and, uh, you know, oh. sort of, sort of low chakra, you know, uh, shenanigans and, and lies and, you know, it, these kinds of things. And so it was, uh, so yeah, when I left all that, I mean, you know, all this, but I, I uh, was sort of self-medicating, wanting to go on the yoga path and the Buddhist path, thinking maybe one day that could lead me to a space where I actually would be in a, in a place to be able to offer people something other than parroted words. And, uh, yeah, it was, and it was interesting kind of like looking into the yoga world and then having that perspective broaden and, and realizing how much, how much uh, of, the, of the sort of BS and politics is sort of universally human. And you'll find it whether you look in, in the church or in new age or, or politics or yoga or whatever. So, so, I mean, at, at once it's, it's sort of like, it's, it's, it's disappointing, but in a good way. Like, I think you've heard me talk about how I think it's good when, 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 when our heroes fall, because right. it kind of gives us the opportunity to rise up and, and, uh, and, and realize, Oh my it God, take you our know, place. Yeah, exactly. Like, wow, I'm actually better in a lot of ways than these famous yoga masters that everybody kisses the ass of as you know, and that the best possible thing you can have on your resume is any kind of connection whatsoever to these sort of, you know, abusive people, you know, it's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. I, I know that the guru, the guru method <clears throat> was so essential to so many spiritual paths in India. And it, it works on an intensely deep level, but it is so with small groups usually. for abuse. Yeah, yeah. And when there's and when there's a international corporate organization, you know, with the guru's name on it, and then there's tens of thousands of members and people cycling in and out, and some of them are young women or whatever the guru is, things like that. Then it gets really odd. Where where I think in situations where you have a guru that has four or five students or maybe just one. Um, then yeah, you can have a, a very genuine lineage of uh, teachings passed on from one person to the next in, in some cases. And then in other cases, it turns out that there's abuse in those, you know, uh, relationships as well. So it's, you know, it's, it, it's, uh, you know, like, I, I think that some people kind of put it up on a pedestal and say, you know, everything that is, uh, you know, Indian or Hindu is, uh, is good and holy. 
but it's not true. You know, I, but the same, you can say the same thing about priests, of course, you know, like uh, there's a lot of priests that have their heart in the right place. And then there's the really bad ones. I know I've heard you say before um, that one of the interesting things about being in India compared to Los Angeles is that um, every day in India involves some type of ritual and I almost pictured like an entire society that was based on Kabbalah that all like incorporated rituals and angel names mm. into their daily, their daily life. Cause did mm. you say like, there's just practically a holiday every day where somebody's lighting and sits to a different sort of a, a sage? Well, uh, definitely uh, a lot of like shopkeepers will have a shrine to Lakshmi goddess of wealth and, uh, like for example, the the guy that was selling cigarettes outside our place in Delhi, if I went down exactly at nine o'clock or whenever he was opening, um, you know, I mean, I I'm familiar enough with these sort of things that I would just stand there and politely wait until he finished because part of his opening up, you know, he got everything set up and ready to open business, but he had to light the incense and seven times bow to the to the little picture of Lakshmi and move the incense around in circles and place it in a particular way. And then, okay, what kind of cigarettes do you want? And so it was just sort of like really odd and interesting, like the sort of thing that in, in the Western culture, you would usually only find in a church and, and that in a Catholic church only. And uh, the Protestants did away with all that ritual stuff mostly. But uh, I, I guess in like a, a lot of traditional Jewish households, you have the, uh, I forget what it's called, the little shin with the prayers inside on the doorway that you kiss on the way in every time you walk through the door. So I get, there are certain uh, places where you find, you know, sort of ritual that's embedded into the culture. In, like for example, the, in Golden Dawn culture, there's a lot of times people do the sign of silence and you don't know what they're doing or what they're thinking or with, you know, just driving down the street, someone will put their left index finger to their lip and you know that they just did some kind of magical working on the astral. Um, so, you know, in, in India, if you drop a, a, you know, a hundred rupees on the ground, you pick it up and you, and you hold it to your forehead and close your eyes and kind of move it back and forth between your lips and your forehead as an apology to Lakshmi for having dropped your money on the ground. Um, and, uh, if you, if you touch someone with your foot and there's someone that you respect, uh, then, then you, you kiss your hand and touch them, you know, and, and just, I mean, just a lot of little things like, uh, sort of built in and a lot, a lot of astrology too. Like, uh, I mean, in the West, we don't, you wouldn't find astrology involved in a court or in a church. So it, 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 it's not like a mainstream thing. It's like a fringe thing to be interested in astrology. It's a new age thing, but here it's totally mainstream. Like uh, if it's a traditional Hindu family and they're planning a wedding, then they consult the astrologer. And if the astrologer says, don't have the wedding on that day, you don't. And uh, so it's, it's, it's very interesting. Things that we would consider magical are just every day here. Like Ayurveda, uh, if someone was practicing Ayurveda in, in 16th century Europe, they would have been, you know, tried as a witch probably. Okay, well, uh, have a good day and blessings to you and your family and your clients. And uh, thank you for co-hosting. Yeah, I love you, man. <laughs> love you too. LVX Namaste.
Namaste, LVX. Talk soon. Thank you, Joel, and thank you, Robbie, for co-hosting tonight. Happy Friday the 13th, by the way, for those of you who are hearing this the day it comes out. Special thanks to Susumu Ueda and his father and the other monks, his father being one of the monks at Chofuku Inn Temple on Mount Koyasan for the music you're hearing right now, the same music that you heard at the intro of uh, this and all the Esoteric Nerd episodes. Special thanks to Camille and Kennerly for the uh, harp intro and outro. Thank you all for tuning in. Good night. Do <laughs> <laughs>